Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When Diplomacy Fails presents... Hello and welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Hey guys, welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Hello and welcome to Hello When Diplomacy Hello and welcome fails. to When Diplomacy Fails. A project five years in the making. The Franco-Prussian War. The Seven Years War. Of the When Diplomacy Fails special on Napoleon. The Crimean War. To When Diplomacy Fails special on World War One Dutch Revolt. To the When Diplomacy Fails special on the Thirty Years War. The July Crisis Anniversary Project. The Swedish Deluge. Britain goes to war. The 1916. To the Franco-Dutch War of 1672. This is When Diplomacy Fails. Remastered. folks light a candle get yourselves ready for emotional times because this is the final remastered talk episode i hope you've enjoyed them and if you listen to these guys on this five-year birthday run around and you've never listened to them before then cool and i hope that you might think that my conversational style interview style has improved or maybe it stayed the same i don't really mind it's got to be fun to have these two things next to each other though because all these collaboration episodes that were going on and some some interviews were quite exciting, I thought. I got some pretty cool guests out there and there's still some pretty more good ones to come, some pretty significant ones that I'm very excited about. So yeah, it's been real nice to have them side by side and you can see really, well, how I progressed. Maybe not necessarily in asking the right questions, but certainly in maybe, well, maybe I just sound the same. I don't know. Let me know. Let me know what you thought of the episode. And I hope you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane. And for those of you that it's your first time around, I hope you just enjoyed it in general. Because that's what it's all about. Enjoying history. Talking about history. Getting history out there. Bringing history to people. Making history thrive. Because this is when diplomacy fails. This is where history thrives. And this is the last remastered talk episode. Alrighty guys, enjoy it. And here we are. 
Wait, what way do I normally start? Oh yeah, back on the podcast. Back on it's the been podcast. so long. Jeez, like sorry, two weeks. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> My facial hair has actually that has changed, and the the environment outside it gets darker earlier in the day. It's so. True, we have a light on now. Yeah. Which I don't know what it does to the video if that's that's off, but no, nah, I don't know. Least, we'll find out afterwards. Yeah. So if you guys don't like it, tough. Yeah, <laughs> they just they just navigated to a different page. Yeah, they did. Um, back on the podcast, uh, my guest as always is Sean. Say hello, Sean. Hey guys. Uh, how are we doing today, Sean? I'm doing absolutely fine. We we have been enjoying the great September weather of Ireland. Yes. Which is raining and sunshine at the same time. God or, bless Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> or just rain, depending on. Uh, oh yeah, depending on your location in the country. Yeah. I think everyone's got a fair share of sun and rain today. So. Yeah, so it's good. Um, I know it's been a while since we. Since we did an episode like this. Um, the only problem is now, if this episode seems a bit like, oh, what are they talking about? It's because the past week and a half I've been surrounding myself with the Boxer Rebellion. So uh, I haven't exactly been thinking that much about the War of 1812. But don't worry, I'm as in this as I could be. So you also should be expecting the uh, the uh, episode on the Boxer Rebellion pretty soon. So yeah, awesome. Monday, in fact. Unless my Libsyn account gets shut off because I've not enough money in my bank account, but you don't need to hear that because I'm rich because I'm a podcaster, of course. Yeah, yeah. You could always get a loan from your best friend, but you don't ask. Yeah, I know. Oh well, bank's closed now, so <laughs> too late. <laughs> anyway, so we've got a little bit to get through today. I'm not going to say a load because I don't know exactly how long this is going to go on for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's let's be realistic. We're both pretty tired. We've been yeah, walking. It's, it's been a long day. It's, it's dark day. already. It's, yeah, but let's let's not forget what made us the nation we are today. Be fit. Oh, sorry, I completely missed that. Let me <laughs> do it again. Do you want to do it again? <laughs> no, it's on video. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, okay, so be fit. B is for. Can you get it this time? Blog blogspot.com. Yeah. No, no! .net, .org. No, what is it? <laughs> dot, dot .ie, basically ah. the only thing you didn't say. No. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, my okay. apologies. wdfpodcast.blogspot.ie He doesn't even use it. I really don't. <laughs> That's the funny it's thing. True. The it's last true. update was like the end of August. I'm just like, like I, I actually originally said, blogs aren't me, I'm not going to have a blog. And then I was like, well, donation facility... I have a blog. Yeah, there you go. So, it should it, be it should be defis, as in donate. Yeah, like there's no but blog. Defis doesn't just sound as good. It just doesn't because you can't d. Plus, we don't want to force you to donate. So, blog is just like you happen to be there, and then all of a sudden you see a donate button. Yeah, just happen to see just, it there. Just happen to click on it and make sure that his Linsip account stays intact. Yeah, it's lips in. What? Anyway, <laughs> it's just like. Um, e is for email uh-huh. wdfpodcast at hotmail.com not ie because that's you know that's normal yeah that is normal I can see why one would get confused mm-hmm. unless you yeah. hear it all the time like right. I do okay. or have to like give it off in a grand spiel every time you say something yes. which I probably don't have to do but I love the if... amount of padding we're giving this opening yeah yeah it's, it's important <laughs> it's important padding is important so if you want to email me then go ahead I, I appreciate all emails great and small whether you're uh, telling me that you're enjoying the podcast or, or if you're you just, just saying hi or if you're just saying hi um, <laughs> you could also go to Facebook which is what F is the F of BFIT is Facebook which I'm sure you all know by now where you can like the Facebook page just reach 200 likes there proud 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 I am or if you don't want to do that and you'd rather talk to people well I'd say do that anyway 
But what you can also do is go to the Facebook group, which is History Podcasts, which also has around 200 people. But the uh, last three posts that I've seen on the History Podcast, two of them have been about beaches, and the other one has been about... Oh, I put one up about toy soldiers. So, you know, yeah. history... So, kind of related it's, so it's very it's personal like it's just about because <laughs> we're, we're like a family yeah. of um people so, that people that do history people going on holidays and then showing off where they've been yeah as well, because you know who was that was that ray that was ray that and was then ray. roberto made us all jealous with pictures of the sea yeah well thanks roberto you, yeah didn't I'm, need to I'm see just, that picture yeah, of the sea just make you know, him making me want good weather we could there's the sea over there. We could see the sea from here. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna take a picture and I'm gonna post it. You guys are gonna know. Yeah. We have the sea as well. We have the sea. We are an island. We are wasting so much time. <laughs> <laughs> I is for iTunes, where you can uh, rate, uh, review, yes. download, and uh, what's the last one? Uh, generally enjoy <laughs> iTunes. Well, <laughs> you can do that, but you can also subscribe. Oh, which, you can do that. I thought yeah. that was only on YouTube. But yeah, so that's iTunes, where you should rate or review the podcast. More, I'd prefer if you reviewed, to be honest, so that I can read what you think. Um, T is for tell someone, not even, I was going to say friend, yeah, but that would be, I nearly said friend. That would be a lie. Tell, tell your, someone. If you're a student, tell your history teacher. Yes. That's always a good idea. It doesn't even have to be an actual friend of yours. Uh, tell your colleague. Yeah, uh, tell your colleague. Colleagues are good. Uh, customers, if you work in a cafe. Yeah. And they happen to be, you know, maybe talking about history. Mm. Oh, by the way, Zach Twomley, who's that guy? Well, he does a podcast on the build-up to war, and it's really good, and it's called When Diplomacy Fails. Oh, I think I might check that out. Yeah, Yeah, good idea. And then you can think to yourself, wow, I just did the T part of Be Fit. If you do all of them, he actually sends you, like, a little plaque saying congratulations. I do. I genuinely do. We should do that. And t-shirts. I want to do t-shirts. Be I really fit, do want like to do t-shirts. Like written on a t-shirt. Okay, we're going to do t-shirts in the future. Yes, we are. Uh, well, I just put the question forward to you. No. I think we should go back and talk about Native Americans. Okay. Okay, so uh, Native Americans. Yes. Um, at the time, they were still living a nomadic life. They hadn't settled down. They hadn't adopted Western culture. No. They hadn't adopted Western religion. Not to, no, not completely, but there was elements of it that had entered into the yeah. animism, yeah. animism as, as, as their kind of religion was called because there were so many parts to it. Right. They were being forcibly moved west. Now, the, the purchase of, what was it, Louisiana? Louisiana, yeah. Now, who had claimed Louisiana first? Louisiana was French. Louisiana is basically the French part of America, and it had been... In, it had been under the French sphere of influence since since England had been in America. It had always been that was France's territory. Right. Just like the 13 right. colonies had always been that's England territory. Louisiana, we might think of Louisiana as oh, the state is it's the state of Louisiana. But no, actually Louisiana stretched pretty much through up central America, central the center of North America and up into Canada as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. That is a lot bigger than I expected. Yeah. So this this was the first purchase that uh, America made. Did they have to... Uh, how much exactly was it? It was know? $15 million. They bought wow. a territory twice... Like, they, bought a, they bought a territory the same size as their own for $15 million. <laughs> and it, today's money, I mean, obviously inflation and all of that other yeah, stuff. But yeah. still, um, it was a desperate act by Napoleon because once uh, once the extent to which British Britain's empire 
uh, and its navy had pretty much removed the possibility of a Napoleonic America, he knew that the best thing to do would be to sell off the land. So what? what uh, he wasn't trying to do... Uh, Napoleon wasn't trying to adopt a uh, British tactic and try to maintain the balance in America. Was was that what he was trying to go for? Was oh, he at, trying the, to, to, at the expense of Britain in yeah, Canada. Like, I if he sold it to them, was that yeah. at the expense... Of Britain, so well, make no, it for because Britain. you could argue. I mean, later on, you can say, "Oh, look at all that land." But at the time, Americans, especially Jefferson, really debated whether or not they should accept the offer. And not only because one issue was that there was nothing in the American Constitution which had been so trumpeted in the past. No, there was nothing in the Constitution about accepting this kind of a deal, whereby you would buy land from a foreign power and accept, especially this vast amount of land. There was nothing in the American Constitution about that. The yeah. second part was that. Just because the French were saying, this is our land, you can have it for $15 million, doesn't mean that the French had civilised, had ruralised, had made the land productive. There were still a lot of issues so, in that land that had to be solved. And there were still Native Americans. Yes, absolutely. There. And not just Iroquois. There was Creek tribes, there were Swift tribes, there was loads of different ones. And the Americans knew that if they were to take this land in, that not only would they have the problem of civilians who were French who didn't really want to be under the American yoke, but they would also have the problem of numerous Native American tribes that definitely didn't want to be under the American yoke. And if they were pushed enough, then they could be pushed into the arms of Tecumseh in the north was his Iroquois confederacy. And that was something they really didn't want yeah, to do. Yeah, of course. I suppose the, the Americans would have seen a, a unified Iroquois state, one that, that would be... Because obviously, I'm, I'm just presuming here, but the Native population of America would have far exceeded the the Americans, the invader Americans. So, yeah. you, you say, how many were there in America? Eight million at the time? At the most, at yeah. The, the 13 colonies? Yeah. There would have far been more Native Americans. W- would, would that be true? Well, I would certainly say in the case of Louisiana Purchase, there was definitely a lot more Native Americans than there were actual so-called civilized civilians. So you've, you've got your French that are there, yeah. Mm. But uh, in, in total, like, if the Iroquois had come together, they they didn't take censuses. They, they no, were... well, they didn't take censuses, and just because you might say, oh, that's an Iroquois tribe, doesn't mean they necessarily throw their lot in when push, when push came to shove. Right, so were there divisions between the actual Native American tribes oh, abso- as to how they should deal oh, with Oh, absolutely, the, yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the um, Native American tribes, before a lot of them adopted, a, uh, adopted the policy of basically hostility towards the east before they started doing that they were more so in awe of the new weapons that they brought kind of like the Aztecs were obviously not for as long a time and once you start killing these people and taking away their lands the kind of the novelty wears off of them being new and having all these weapons yeah but certainly in terms of what their what their unified policy should be there was no real I talked about it a bit that they that the Iroquois Confederacy was a grouping of five tribes that I really don't know the name of so I'm not going to try and pretend that I do but they were unified domestically but they weren't unified internationally if one tribe wanted to interact with the East with the American tribes or with the British in Canada in some way and another tribe wanted to interact with them in another way then they just did. It wasn't like, oh, well, really? we're all okay. Iroquois, we're going to act the same way. Right. So even though I called them a unified, they were a confederacy, but it wasn't like they were unified in... It's a real shame. Yeah. It's a real shame that they, they didn't get... They're probably still reeling from the whole concept of a of a, a bureaucracy where there's, where there's organization. Yeah. And you're ruled by uh, a greater 
power. Yeah. Like, so um, even centralization, where they wouldn't really have it, they wouldn't really have the kind of administration that the, that the West, like in Europe, would have had, or even America would have had. That's why the two cultures seem so alien. Right. Like they lived off the land and they weren't really settlers so much as the Americans were, where they stayed sedentary lifestyles. These were nomad. They were they were they lived nomadic lifestyles and they moved from place so, to place. So they'd go. The colonists would move in, mm. and when they came back, they they to their surprise have a bunch of American buildings and and constitutions yeah. set up in where they would normally settle. Yeah, and it just. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem that surprising I now. I really think it's an injustice. It, of course it is. Mm. It's a massive injustice. But just it, like every example of this throughout history and there's so many that don't even go reported because the results of that benefit what's what's happening now like if that hadn't happened would we have the United States of America that we have now? Probably yeah. not. Yeah, I mean if you remember back to the American Revolution one of course there was acts that were in that said you can't settle past this certain point because that's Native American land but gradually they started to encroach more and more and even 10 10 or so years after I went into the states there was 18 states in the United States at this stage and pretty much all that land had either either been carved up from the Louisiana Purchase or it had been carved up out of Native American land and you can't really do that without removing those tribes that are there and shoving them wherever you can wherever you can shove them often that meant pushing them into places where land was already inhabited so, it was like an ever a never ending quest to keep on moving west and right. I didn't mean that to rhyme but it sounds kind of cool yeah. in the episode that I'm working on now in the Boxer Rebellion you'll see the kind of comparisons and the contrasts that I draw in the 1890s this is kind of jumping ahead a bit I know in the 1890s there is a movement called the Ghost Dance Movement and it's basically like a reaction to the Americans encroachment on the Native American culture and their way of life and what this is, what the ghost dance movement is, is a series of ideas and spiritual spiritual claims that if we become one with our old gods and if we worship them properly, we can defeat the Western menace and we can stop them encroaching on our lands. Exactly the same kind of idea as the boxers had. They even had the idea of being invulnerable to bullets. Well, I'm not going to say any more because I'll ruin the, the episode of the Boxer Rebellion. But just keep that in mind. I mean... Everywhere that there is weaker tribes beside a strong power, no matter who you are, you're going to exploit them. And it happened It happened here in America, and as you'll see in the next episode, it happens in China as well. Let's, could, let's talk about New Orleans. Yeah. The, uh, the Battle of New Orleans. Now, mm-hmm. what, what was the whole 411 on that? Well, basically, I mean, I, I know I didn't go into this at all, at all, at all, in the last episode, because I was running late on time. Um, but it was it, almost an hour. Guess. Yeah, it was. But that seems to be the the trend for these episodes now. What happened was basically, it was a pretty big victory for the Americans, but it had absolutely no impact. Even though it is trumpeted as one of the biggest victories of the War of eighteen twelve, the battle itself actually happened after the Treaty of Ghent, which ended the War of eighteen twelve. So, in actual fact, although it's trumpeted as such a big American victory that was so important, it didn't even need to happen. And there was absolutely no reason for it to happen yeah, other were than... were they fighting there? Were they fighting the French? Or the were... Americans were fighting the British. The British had New Orleans. Isn't that a French colony? No, it's... No, no, no. No, the French aren't there at all at this stage because remember the Louisiana Purchase and everything. Oh, okay. um, but the French didn't haven't had New Orleans in a very long time. Um, what basically happened was the British had landed there 
in an attempt to do the same thing that they'd done to Washington. Washington, of course. But they didn't get to do it in time, and it was kind of like once once more American soldiers started to move in on the smaller British force, the British started to move north. And once they realized that American soldiers were coming towards them, they started moving back to the way they came towards New Orleans. This is where it gets its name from, because it happens near New Orleans. Yeah. It happens in 1815. I think it's... I don't know the exact date of it. I think it's either February or March. Well, when's the, the Treaty, Treaty of Ghent is in February seventeenth, eighteen fifteen. I think it's a week or so after the uh, Treaty like of Ghent. At most, yeah, at most. So you can understand why they didn't know that the war had actually ended. So they plus, fought. Plus, even it had ended, and there were British soldiers over there. Yeah, like they'd taken out your capital. Exactly, like you were really up well, to the. Yeah, a lot of these like soldiers. If you have a chance. You're gonna. <laughs> definitely take some, some yeah scalps just just because you can't because like this is your enemy this mm. is someone who's really yeah really pained you over absolutely over the generations and we'll talk a bit about the burning of washington in a little bit but what i really wanted to say was that people say how much of a big victory this is and when you think of the war of 1812 if you ask them the <laughs> the thing is here if you ask anyone who won the war of 1812 it really depends on Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You ask, if you ask the British, they'll say, well, we won because we burned Washington. And if you ask the Americans, they'll say, well, we won because of the Battle of New Orleans. And yes, the Battle of New Orleans was a huge victory for the Americans, and it really was. I mean, you can't underestimate the fact that a professional British army was defeated by its American equivalent. And that's a pretty big deal, because the British now will have to accept the fact that just because they're Americans doesn't mean they can't beat the best that we can throw at them. Did the uh, American and British governments just sort of... They acknowledge that it happened and then sort of blush that it had happened. Like, <laughs> this, this was a bit of a screw-up on both sides. Yeah. Well, there was... Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like... I'm not going to say... I'm not going to put it down to, like, like, the kind of terms we would use because we obviously don't know exactly what they said. But more or less, it was like, oh, that's a pity. 
we didn't mean for that to happen but secretly the Americans are like oh yeah because because they won so I mean (laughs) it certainly softens the blow for Washington which was a considerable blow but at the end of the day it had no effective impact on the Treaty of Ghent so if say that had happened a few days before where the British army had been destroyed and the British had been forced to the negotiating table maybe then it would have had an impact but at this stage the war had been acknowledged as over and I'm actually quite surprised that the battle happened at all Except for, as you mentioned, the fact that the British were there and the Americans wanted revenge. Yeah. And the, and the British were very much on the run at this stage in hostile territory. So, um, The Battle of Fort McHenry, which I didn't really go into, that was that's often held up as the example of the United, where the American lawyer, Francis Scott Key, like, gets the inspiration to write the Star Spangled Banner, which is the American national anthem. But what actually happened in that is not even a battle at all. Basically... The British cannons were zeroed in on Fort McHenry. The American cannons weren't. After 25 hours of bombarding, the British eventually left because they realised they couldn't coordinate cannon with infantry attacking. So what it basically was was a 25-hour bombardment. And once the British left, that was seen as a big sign of, oh, they can't take us on, so let's kind of write write this song saying how we'll never give up and everything. Not to disrespect the American National Anthem, because it's pretty cool. Um, especially Not when... as good as God saved it. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the Battle of Lake Erie, which I mentioned, um, and I hope I'm not pronouncing that wrong, it was a big loss for the British anyway, because the British had lost a naval battle, which was supposed to be their forte against the Americans, who were that supposed to be... was a naval be... battle? Yeah, it okay. was. It was a naval battle. Um, uh, any detail on it? <sighs> not really. Like, were there three to eight British ships in Basically, in the... the the British were outnumbered, and the Americans were able to use their uh, numerical superiority. The British didn't consider the Americans to be able to capitalise on the numerical superiority that they had, so they thought, oh, we'll just go and get them kind of thing, which obviously backfired. <laughs> Once they lost that, it meant that the Americans were able to control that lake completely, so they were able to stop the British supplying the Native Americans by lake. Across oh, okay. by the water, right? And so that once, was the stepping stone. Yeah, too. that was the stepping stone to the Battle of the Thames on the fifth of October, eighteen thirteen, and Tecumseh was killed in that battle. So wow, that was okay. that basically. So you see, that's that's probably how Iroquois leaders roll. They're like, "We are Native Americans. Oh my goodness, we can draw a comparison to Avatar." Oh yeah, kind of can. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Cause he went and unified those tribes, and mm. then. He has the big dragon thing, and he fought at the front. He didn't die, though. No, but that would have been a crap ending. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was basically how the dream of the United Native American state died. Um, Once Tecumseh died, they lost their strongest and most able leader. he was fighting at the front, which is He was, yeah. I mean, he was. And, I mean, that is really the last time. From then on, it's pretty much a mop-up operation. Even when the, the... Native Americans are still in a pretty strong presence, you might think. The Americans are still always on the offensive and they're always expanding. They never stop to think, oh, what if they form a state? That idea died once Tecumseh died. There was no more of that now. Now it was just a case of, okay, they're in the way. It was, it was, it was never, it was, it was really sad to say, but it was never really, what if they unify and face us again? But Because they never did that. Do you have any sort of detail on how the battle was actually fought? Was it fought beside a river? I presume it's fought beside a river. Um, it, I'm not going to pretend I know every detail. As far as I know, the Thames was named after the river that, that was there. It was named after the Thames from London. Um, it wasn't... Thames. Well, yeah, I, I called it Thames. What's the, what do you call it? Thames. 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 
I'm sorry, I'm tired. I didn't know it was called, that's how they spelt it. T-H-A-M-E-S. Loads of people, some people pronounce it really strangely. Um, but, um... <laughs> okay. The Battle of the Ta... The Ta... <laughs> the Battle of the Thames. Thames? Oh, damn it. Thames. The Battle of the Thames. It just seems so weird to it say. Does. Yeah, especially when you know how it's spelled. The Battle of the Thames was basically the American battle. a land battle between the Americans and the and the Native American, no mainly British Iroquois. No, there wasn't really was a British support. Canadian contingent in the no, battle? there wouldn't have been because so it was just a, uh, a yeah a straight a straight up battle. Yeah, and it was the two. it was brutal because the Native Americans weren't organized into the kind of units that the Americans would have been in that they didn't have like rank of a rank of like um, fire or anything like that they didn't have like rows of riflemen or anything what they basically had were horse horse riders with rifles that you had to stop and reload or failing that they used hand to hand weapons it was very much a one sided battle and it was pretty much a massacre as well once the British had withdrawn their support and withdrawn the technology and training that they could give after the Battle of Lake Erie because the Battle of Lake Erie for the British was basically... And how, how long was the distance between... how yeah uh, About a month, a month in between the two. Oh, okay. But in that time, the British had pretty much abandoned the idea of helping the Native Americans. That's such a shame. It is such a shame, really. Um, but it meant that the Native Americans were by themselves. And they were at the mercy of the Americans' superior technology and superior tactics. So it was only a matter of time. But Tecumseh was killed in that. And with his death were, meant the death of the idea of a Native American state. Yeah. We're coming nearly to the end of it, but I just want to talk a bit about two things. I want to talk about the disunity of the United States at this time, and I want to talk about the burning of Washington. I'll, I'll start with the burning of Washington first. Okay, let's go. Um, what, what comes to your mind when you think of the burning of Washington? Well, it's like the fire of London, except the British started it. Yeah. Except, wait a second. Yeah. I'll start again. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean... It is It is a pretty big event. I mean, when you think of the War of 1812, the first thing I thought of was the burning of Washington. And when I didn't know that much about it, I didn't think that it could possibly be true because very little is said about it today. But no, it did really, it genuinely did happen. And it's one of those dark periods in, in Anglo-American diplomacy where none of it's really mentioned now. And you'd be hard-pressed to find any evidence for it, especially even 100 years later when America comes to the aid of the British first in the First World War and then Second World War. It really did have a psychological and a physical impact because it meant that the British, once they'd done that, it meant that they had to, because the British didn't get the surrender that they wanted straight away, they had to do more things. So the impact of the burning of Washington was hugely psychological. It basically brought home the idea that the British were able to do this and it, it made the Americans, a lot of them feel helpless. I read some of the quotes there, especially from New England, which really laid it out that we can't beat the British. We can't do the kind of things that they can do to us, even though we think that we're powerful and we think that we're newly independent and that we fought and, and gained our own independence, etc. We're still powerless to stop them burning down our capital. And that idea of helplessness was hugely psychological. I mean, that would be like... I mean, you never see it happen today, but say a proudly independent nation that had been independent for... <laughs> but that had been independent for 20 or so years from its colonial master... And suddenly they're at war. And now their colonial master comes and burns their capital. That's huge. And it's really not stated enough. I think because it's such a shameful period in American history. And it was called... A few historians call it the most... 
the darkest period in American arms or the most shameful period of American arms. Why didn't they call that their book titles that? Why do they have to keep going to war of... Not, uh, 1812 War of 1812 <laughs> Because a lot of Fighting happened in 1812 yeah. You're talking about French and, and Like Russian war What are you talking about I wish they didn't call it The War of 1812 as well it's I wish they called it Like the second Anglo-American war I bet when you war. were Researching it You were like Oh War of 1812 And then you like Clicked on one And you presumed That all of them Were the same book yeah. And then you were like Wait these are different authors What Or it was like War of 1812 It only goes on For like a few months Wait a minute 1815 That's when it ends Why is it called The War of 1812 <laughs> Well, you know, the seven years, what, the hundred years war, three hundred years war, the seven years war, none of those were accurate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so the decade war. <laughs> um, and it would have sucked, the, the three year war. Yeah, the day war. <laughs> yeah, you really can't they stress. Either, it would have been nice had they renamed it the uh, American Iroquois War, because then you can at least acknowledge that the Native Americans. Mm. Even were around for yeah. a time. I, I know I said that there was no losers and there was no winners, but really in this case, the losers were the Native Americans and the Iroquois, and the winners were Canada. Um, <laughs> no, they yes, really. Yeah. We did <laughs> he did it! <laughs> yes, Canada. <laughs> Just because, in this case, the benefits that Canada got from this, I mean, at the start of this war, before it even began, you had a lot of disunity, and you even had the danger of the fact that, oh, Canada might seek the same rights that America sought, and what will we do then? But this war really proved to the Canadians that they could fight their own wars themselves. I mean, of course, there was a British presence there, but the idea that when American troops invaded and when we were able to push them back, look what we can do by ourselves. And that was really important in forming a Canadian identity, and it really helped form the modern Canadian state because it gave them a sense that we're different from America. Not just because the Americans are trying to invade us, but we have a right to exist on our own. Our state is justified because we can beat the Americans back. And that was huge. Even with even with the Native Americans nearby and even with the French the French uh, nationals who didn't want to be part of this Canada, they were still able to do it. The issue of the French Canadians there is a pretty big one. And the Americans, in fact, actually tried to get them on their side. But because, as I mentioned... The Americans invaded Canada so recklessly and burned and looted and <laughs> destroyed everything they came across. The French Canadians could say, well, we don't like Canada and we don't like Britain, but we're definitely not warming to the idea of helping you, America, because you're conducting yourself so badly and you're burning everything. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So it was because of that that Canada can really be called the winner of this war yeah. because they got something that America would have to fight a civil war to get, and that was identity. And Canada didn't have to fight to get that. They didn't have to fight itself. I want to talk about that, the disunity of the United States. Uh, At this stage in America, you can really see where... uh, It's fragile. It really is. It's so fragile. I mean, we think of it as, oh, the United States and all that stuff, but really, it was only united in name, especially when you look at New England, which I apologise, I really made a massive mistake on before, because I... in my head, okay, forgive me, but my American geography is not the best. In my head before, I thought of New England as a state and not as a region containing numerous states. I thought it was just, a, oh, that's Newfoundland. Oh, I'm yeah. so an idiot. Yeah, see, well, like... I thought it was I kn- just the top one. Yeah, so I mean... It, it includes Maine and... and yeah, it uh, includes Massachusetts, Massachusetts as well. Massachusetts, yeah. Which is, yeah, so it included a few areas, basically all the seafaring ones. So I was right in that. New England did want to operate differently from the actual United States. 
And actually... The, the southern states. Yes, but not just the southern states, because New England doesn't include all the northern states. It oh, okay. mainly includes the top ones that are near the border of Canada. As far as I know now, you'll probably correct me and say that I'm wrong, which I probably am. But oh well. Oh, you're such an ignorant Irishman. <laughs> okay, where's Wicklow? Tell me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I basically wanted to say was, when the war started, it was by no means certain that America was going to stay unified through the whole thing. And in 1814, you had a constitutional convention, which is basically a fancy name for all the states get together and discuss the war. In that constitutional convention, New England and its grouping of how many states were in it actually actually brought, brought forward the idea of seceding from the United States and wow. being independent. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was something I meant to bring up last I mean, time and forgot to. That's that's huge. It is huge. Um, and you won't see that really until later on in the American Civil War where it started a civil war. And if if that had happened now, I mean, it didn't because it was only a very few, a very select few in New England who actually wanted to do that and break the Union and become separate. But if they had done that, obviously American history would have been very different. But even now, you can see the divisions in America with the slave owners in the south and with the not so many slave owners in the north and isn't isn't the the south they were the hotheads the ones that thought that the the military power that the americans possessed was enough to take the british wasn't yes it? they were their idea was well we, there's, there's only six thousand troops in canada we can take canada and then bring britain to the ne- negotiating table forgetting of course that the idea of a sharp sharp war and just doesn't especially exist. Especially if you're mobilizing over such a large country. Yeah. And the northern states realized that if there was going to be a war, it wasn't the southerners who were going to have to fight it. Yeah. It was those on the border that were going to have to suffer the consequences exactly. of and the fight. There was the issue, not just of the Native Americans, but also Spain, who still owned parts of Florida as well. Oh, so okay. They were still there. Yeah, they were still there, but certainly not as much force as they used to be. And at, and at this time, because it's 1812, they also owned New Spain, which would become Mexico. And we all Mexico. know what happened between Mexico and America in the 1850s. Had the war not happened, mm. I would like to think that the Native Americans would have formed a state yeah. and would have stood up to uh what what do American you think? Oppression. Yeah, what do you think if the Native Americans had formed a state, say? What do you think? What kind of impact that would have had on not just America but also Canada and the formation of both of those states? The Americans would have had to formalize the war that they were doing. They would have had to say, exactly. "We have declared war on you." And yeah, there is a state of war between us and mm. your people. Yeah, rather than just picking them off one by one, leaving them divided. Yeah, because that that's wrong. That's, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't you didn't even let them fight as as a unified no. people. You just mm. eradicated them. And it's very so, likely today that there would have been, if I'm not going to speculate to the extent that, oh, the I mean, Native Americans... They could have united in a, in a sort of equal yeah. sort of setting in, mm. in terms of, okay, we understand that you're a country now, that you guys are on par with us. Yeah, We're, Let's unify. Let's become mm. the United States. You would have had all of those organic... Yeah. Like, uh, border lines mm. instead of the the, the cookie cutter like straight line states yeah, because it would have been each tribe would have gone okay well we'll formalize this yeah. this is where our borders are this is where our people mm. are from who's to say what the majority language in America would be right exactly now? Like, yeah. that could have it could have just um, America I think I think America's really missing out on that native identity that mm. that they 
it really should have embraced, but at the time, the the sort of opinion yeah. of that it's just such a shame that there it was is. imperialism. I know, isn't it? I mean, you see this throughout history, but I think now, and it's not really stressed enough, probably because it's such a shameful part of their past, that the Native American contribution, not only to this war but also to the culture of the American continent, could have been far more if they hadn't been so brutally extinguished. Exactly. Though, that being said, there's still, like, you see in all those war movies, like, First World War, Second mm. World War, war, war movies, there's still, like, uh, Native Americans fighting with their culture and heritage yeah. alongside, like, uh, the American army. They're mm. in the American army. Yeah, right? I mean, of course there'll be descendants, but the idea that we have a homeland would never resurface again. And yeah. that's the biggest tragedy, I think. Yeah. I mean, they were stateless from then on. And that's something no one wants to be. You will see, especially in the American Civil War, which we will do eventually, you'll see in that a real example of them forming an identity and the and the Mexican-American War, which I covered before. That was an example of it as well. But in this case here, a lot of people in America saw this as their second war of independence because the first one was seen as a revolution, but this one was seen as the actual war where they had to actually prove themselves and yes, the the Battle of New Orleans was fought after the Treaty of Ghent, but it was still fought, and the Americans still won. So if you can beat the greatest army that Europe can throw at you, but if the Americans can do that, then they can really do anything. Well, Sean, that was a longer episode than we intended, but I think it still went pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll go down a treat. All of you Americans will be reminded of the horrors you inflicted upon your people but we'll also realize that you know it's a part of you this you should embrace it like the british these days they don't embrace the fact that they subjugated most of the world they should embrace that they should be proud that that they're they were their descendant of the people that that conquered the world that owned and oppressed many people like there should be a bit more pride in that that's what they are is at the moment all they go is oh yeah we're we're England we're really good at football and tennis and cricket <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I do get what you're saying yeah, they, yeah I I, th- I think you should be proud of your history yeah and, like I'm proud of Irish history even though we fail repeatedly yeah. and we get let down by so many countries yeah I am I'm just so proud that the, our history developed the way it did yeah and that that makes us the way we are today mm. So, thank you very much for joining me, Sean. Remember, be fit if you're thinking of ways to support, get in contact with, or inquire about this podcast. My name is Zach. My name is Sean. And you've been listening to When Diplomacy Fails. Thanks. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.